0: Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Pretos. We are in to day three. We have completed day three of the World Cup. Things are happening, including the, in my estimation, I really don't think you can say arguably the biggest upset in World Cup history. As we uh, we got up early, very early. Uh, I made a, uh, look, I, I'll be honest with you. First of all, I'm a little under the weather already. Uh, it's hit me early. It's not too bad, but it's there. So you may hear some Flem like Joe Macknick does when he does those radio, uh, I, I know Joe, but sometimes when he comes on, he gets all phlegm, he's like, rah, rah, rah. I might sound a little bit like that, so far be it for me to uh, be judgmental on that front, but alarm went off, Pacific time zone, it was 2.20, so I was like, all right, you're gonna, you're gonna get up, and then uh, you'll miss the first half, I think that's fair, you get up at three, if you have to watch the first half, which I ripped through a little bit, you can watch afterwards, and then it's like these uh, incremental one-hour naps. We're all doing that, right? Between games. So, I, I, the smartest move I ever did. I got up, saw the very end of the first half, and then got into the second half, and Saudi Arabia made incredible history. And it was awesome to watch it. It was awesome because it's not supposed to look like that. So, we will discuss that. We will uh, recap everything that happened on. The, what, day, what day is it? Tuesday? It's Monday. And we will spin it ahead to Wednesday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. So uh, we have had half the field. We have had four games today. Four games. Three, so eight games. 16 teams. So we have eight more games and the other 16 teams coming up over the next two days. Again, this is a sprint through the group stages. This is a compressed World Cup tournament. Normally they would have three games, but they have four. Three games is the right total. Although I watched four today. And I think I could have slipped in a five, a fifth. True story. True story. A reminder to check out all my social media handles. There they are Max Bretos Sports on Twitter, M Bretos there on Instagram, Max Bretos on TikTok, and here uh, Max Bretos as well on YouTube. Uh, my manager, Leland, said we have gotten since the beginning of the month 5 million interactions on Twitter. So my Twitter game is red hot. So check it out. We will uh, get it going. This was uh, obviously, uh, Ronaldo's trying to take all the uh, news during the World Cup, right? So Messi was the story and Ronaldo comes in as he mutually agreed to part ways with his contract, terminated his contract with Manchester United. So he's a free agent. That's going to be exciting. And then the news comes that the Glazers are looking to sell Manchester United. So uh, chill out. That news can wait. We're watching the World Cup. Hello. Let's get it going. So let's get into these games because we have a lot of ground to cover as we always do. Uh, The Soccer OG World Cup Daily available in audio format where all podcasts are available. Check us out here. Uh, Some of the episodes are a little dated, but you still get some great information there here under my YouTube under Max Barretos. Like and subscribe. Let's go. Early morning. Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Argentina, everyone loves them, and why not? They had been unbeaten in 36 straight games, and I was explaining to you how it all worked, and Saudi Arabia and their incredible James Bond-looking manager, Hervé Renard, who is a bit of a mercenary, and I say that with the highest praise, did some tactics. He held, he got the team to press, which seems like madness. If you're Saudi Arabia, you want everyone to sit back, and you Pack the back so no one can beat you from behind. They did the opposite. They pressed high, and their back line was almost at midfield. So you have all this space behind you, which teams normally exploit. But it messed up with Argentina. They didn't have any space. They didn't know what to do specifically in that second half. There was some VAR, the penalty for Argentina controversial. They didn't get a one on a really bad challenge, which probably was a penalty. We got to take the refereeing with a grain of salt. I did want to say something about the officiating that it is a ver- it is a edict that FIFA is telling everyone to, has confirmed the new direction to ensure that all unnatural lost time is added on at the end of each half, whatever that is. But any little stop here, they're stopping the clock. And I got to say, hello, if you are, we are in a sport where we have these lines that can determine if a toenail is offside and we have... All this high tech stuff, and we're still counting it on a clock. We've had 14 minutes stoppage time, 10 minutes stop. You can't keep us in the dark with this. This is really insane. Why can't we know how much how much time is left in this game? What's the big secret? It's high tech, high tech, and then oh, I got, a, I got a wristwatch. Oh, I'm gonna add a minute. What? It's insane. Stop the clock. If there's a stoppage, stop the clock. We've got to get to that. So getting back to Saudi Arabia, they had the high line and Argentina was uh, all out of sorts. Second half, 48th minute, Saleh al Sheri scored the goal. Uh, Dibu Martinez should have done better there, in Argentine goal. Salem Aldo Wasari scored five minutes later. Fantastic strike. And really, you felt at that point, Saudi Arabia wasn't going to let this go. They were... Uh, energized. They were full-blooded in their tackles, full commitment making these tackles. Argentina were getting emotional. They saw it was lost. Rodrigo De Paul looked like he was about to start crying. It was unbelievable how well that tactic worked. And it really is revolutionary because when you have these big underdogs, they're always going to park the bus, for lack of a better expression. But now you have an option. Saudi Arabia showed you the blueprint. You can play these high-profile teams and you can mess with them. That's what Saudi Arabia did. If you have a group of guys that are on board. And uh, Lionel Scaloni, who again, I was singing his praises, he had a shocker. He had a shocker. And now Argentina are at the bottom of Group C. They play Mexico next. I, think, I don't think they're going to win this World Cup. They may get out of this group. But what I saw there, Argentina are not going to make it. This was the biggest surprise in the history of the World Cup for me. I tweeted that. People are going, whoa, whoa, Senegal over France. Cameroon over Argentina. I go, no. Cameroon and Senegal made the quarterfinal. Senegal almost made the semifinal. This Saudi team is not making a quarterfinal. But fantastic results. uh, 35 to 2 for Saudi Arabia. So if you bet $10, you win, what, 225, 230 bucks? Very good. Next game, another big disappointment uh, from the European perspective or from the, the heavyweight perspective, Denmark and Tunisia. We talked about the African teams, and Tunisia were, they were fantastic. Defensively so rock solid. They had a chance to win this game. Uh, a really nice save there by uh, Kasper Schmeichel, who did a, a starfish save like his dad used to do, denying Ismail Jebali. Uh, Tunisia uh, really had Denmark Out of sorts, no cutting edge to them. And when you looked at it, and I picked Denmark to make a final here. My final is Spain versus Denmark. I have them beating France, who we'll talk about in a second. It's hard to put anyone above France the way they looked in their game. Denmark didn't get shots. Actually, more shots for Tunisia. Kasper Dahlberg and Andreas Skov Olsen, not the sexiest pairing up top. Mikael Damsgaard, I think the winger, gives a little more pop. I'd love to see Martin Braithwaite. And the Danes will probably get better. Christian Eriksson, good service. Denmark didn't do anything with it. Did not do anything. And Denmark usually, uh, well, they got a slow start in the Euros for obvious for reasons. We don't want to drudge that up again. Uh, but they bounced back. So maybe there's something there. The, uh, the, n- nothing threatening from Denmark from the midfield up. It was really disappointing. Not obviously as disappointing as Argentina. But disappointing. And now Tunisia... It's good for the competition. They have some hope. You want teams to have hope going into the second and a third match days. The uh, We got to see Hannibal, Mary Hannibal from uh, Tunisia with his incredible hair. Fantastic to see uh, a guy like that. And we like the North Africans. There was almost a late penalty handling of the ball by one of the Tunisian defenders. VAR looked at it, didn't give it to Denmark. Probably this scoreless game was the right results. And now Denmark, France, coming up. We are, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, this the Saudi and this Tunisian result just showed, because you have an Asian team do well, an African team do, do well, that's good for the competition. We don't want all the European teams to sail on. We've seen some pretty flawed European teams with Wales, uh, Poland, we're about to talk, and Denmark here. Uh, we'll see. Mexico. Let's go uh, back to Group C, taking on the polls. Everyone wanted to take advantage of the Argentina loss, and even Tata Martino, the manager, mentioned it before and after the game. He says, there's pressure, we have to go and win. And Mexico were much better than Poland. Poland didn't really want to play a lot. Nice build-up for Mexico. Fantastic with the wide players. We know about Chucky Lozano, and now Alexis Vega, we can put him on that top line. They were non-stop beating defenders the big problem and we knew this coming in is they don't have a striker and there was good service and they just couldn't put one away henry martin had a nice header which was saved raul jimenez came in and he didn't do much that's uh that's that's gonna prevent mexico from doing much in this competition and this this argentina result doesn't do them many favors because now mexico plays argentina next and Poland plays Saudi Arabia, and the school of thought is Saudi Arabia certainly couldn't have another performance like that. Maybe. The school of thought is Poland will probably get a team. Remember, not a lot of time between games. We're talking Tuesday to Saturday. That they can catch a team uh, like Saudi Arabia who are still on this high, and they must be sky high. But we can't underestimate the Saudis. The reason we can underestimate them, because they didn't do anything like this. That's why it's such a huge surprise. They didn't do anything like this in the buildup. This came out of nowhere. So Mexico have a a striker problem, and Raul Jimenez played about 10 minutes. Then there was a big moment in this game. Memo Ochoa, there was a VAR review on a challenge by Hector Moreno. I didn't, I guess it's a penalty if the referee saw it for the VAR to get involved and tell the referee to reverse it. That I'm not crazy about, but it is what it is. And Memo Ochoa, who has been called up into his fifth World Cup facing Robert Lewandowski. That's such a great moment for the World Cup right there. Robert Lewandowski, who is the most uh, prolific goal scorer in Europe the last few years, has never scored a goal in the World Cup, just hit it poorly. Memo Ochoa makes the save. And he, Memo Ochoa has another incredible moment in a World Cup. Remember 2014? Uh, certainly in 2018 against Germany, 2014 against Brazil, where he made double-digit saves. So, the argument now is, is Memo Ochoa the best goalkeeper Mexico's ever had? Hard to argue that. He's still, he's still old man uh, Memo. We'll see how he holds up here. But he needs, he can't be kept busy, and Mexico need to score goals at the other end. We'll see if they could do it, and I just don't know where it's been. But Mexico has, I think they have to get a point against Argentina. Do you see the same Argentina? I think it's possible. Lionel Messi, it's up to you. It was just, it was a a really flawed team all of a sudden. But it's one game. And Poland had really the one chance and then they had the, I mean, Poland did nothing. But we'll see. I mean, Mexico eh, will be really pulling for a, a tie between Poland and Saudi Arabia. So two, scoreless games back-to-back. I didn't mind them too much. When you see a scoreless game, you're not great. I I was highly entertained by Mexico-Poland. I was out there at a viewing party at LAFC, Uh, about a thousand Mexican fans. I had my Mexican scarf because I support CONCACAF teams as long as they're not playing the U.S. I would like to see all four CONCACAF teams make the round of 16. Maybe. CONCACAF unbeaten thus far. (laughs) Two ties. Two ties. So uh, we will, we'll we'll look forward to that game over the weekend. That's going to be fantastic. Final game, we got some goals. It was France and Australia. Australia scored first nine minutes in. Craig uh, Goodwin. I was saying about this Australia team that Australia used to produce so many good players. Mark Viduca, Mark Schwarzer, Harry Kuhl, Tim Cahill, Lucas Neal. They had a great team. And in 2006, they were up a man on Italy in that World Cup. and Italy won that World Cup. Should have knocked them out. Australia keeps making World Cups, physical, organized. They had the lead. But then after that moment, the French turned it on. It was right there with England for the best performance we have seen in this World Cup thus far. Right after the Australian goal, Lucas Hernandez came out on a non-contact injury. His brother, Teo Hernandez, came in to replace him. He was fantastic. Olivier Giroud becoming, I think, the top scorer in French international history, which a lot of French people didn't want for some reason because they he's not a big of a name, but he scored twice. And Kylian Mbappe... Oh, by the way, Giroud gets plus 800 for scoring two goals in the opener. So that was a good money bet, but who would have dared pick Giroud to score twice? I had my uh, Intervalencia pick. I'm waiting for more, some more gambling. We'll, we'll hold on that for a moment. But France started to churn... Despite all the injuries, we talked about it on the show yesterday, and Karim Benzema and Paul Pogba, as long as they have Kylian Mbappe, they are a threat to win this whole thing. And he was so good again. Magnificent the way he stretches things out. Impossible to defend. So they got, they were, it was 2-1 France at the half and they added two more in the second half. And I picked Denmark to win this group, but if you watch these games, there's no way I can sit here and tell you that Denmark's gonna win this group. I'm not not saying they won't, but it would be crazy talk. It's just me sticking to my picks. So there you go, Groups C and D. Coming up on Wednesday, it's Groups E and F. Fantastic games. Join me here in a moment on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. We will preview those where all podcasts are available. Under my name, Max Bretos on YouTube. It's a simulcast. We'll be right back. Wednesday at the World Cup, it's really, really good. You have a few teams there that have a shot at winning at it, including... I guess you could include Croatia, ranked 12th in the world. They made the final of the World Cup four years ago. Incredible when you think it's a, a, pop, a country just under 4 million people, what Croatia's been able to do, not just in soccer, but in other sports, in basketball and water polo, they are... I know water polo, man. They are elite, so they're going to take on Morocco. Maroc. Croatia was really good four years ago. They won the group ahead of Argentina, and they got to the final. They beat a lot of good teams along the way. They're perennially in these, these competitions. They won. Uh, they were very good in qualifying, and they have a, a mix of the old guard. Luka Modric at 36, 37. He's old there, but he, you can cover for him, and he's so talented at what he's able to do. He's going to do something spectacular because he does it at Real Madrid. He's still an elite player at Real Madrid. He plays. He is a freak. He is, you know, uh, just a guy that can go deep in the years and still be so productive. And he does it for Croatia. This is, um, it's going to be tough to see Croatia make a big run here, but I'm not going to underestimate them. I like Serbia a little better. We'll preview them on Thursday when we're talking about countries from that part of the world. Marcelo Brozovic is going to be huge for the Croats because he really organizes that midfield. I think he was less than 100%. He's a deep-line midfielder. Mateo Kovacic at Chelsea, excellent attacking option. S- some good young players coming along as well for uh, Zlatko Dalic, who was the coach there. Lukas Sukic is a name I'd keep an eye on. And this is... Uh, they are well-equipped. Perisic and... Uh, who am I forgetting here? Uh, Andre Kramaric, this is a, a lot of good players for Croatia. Morocco will probably feel a little inspired by Tunisia. Morocco's a very good team. They won all six of their qualifiers in Africa in the second round, then knocked out the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Really good in qualifying. They're very European feel to this roster. Hakim Ziyech plays at Chelsea. Hopefully they can get some goals from him. Youssef El-Nezri, En-nez- who plays at Sevilla, Is a guy who can score goals at the top level. The uh, Ashraf Hakimi plays at PSG, another excellent player, one of the best at his possession. So there's five or six guys on Morocco. They were at the World Cup four years ago. They had a moment in 1986. It's a long time ago, the Maradona World Cup. And Morocco should uh, make this interesting. I think this is going to be a gripping contest. I want to see African teams do well. We were buoyed by Tunisia, and I, we said it's going to be an odd World Cup, and Tunisia proved that. The African team, least likely to make a breakthrough, did it with getting a point. Morocco missing some, they have some really good young players. Some that revolved with the Barcelona uh, Academy. Easy Abde, Tariq Tissoudali, who are not with this team, but Morocco is a conveyor belt right now. That's going to be fun. That's the early game, so get your sleep. To get up at 2 a.m. Again, I'm probably waking up at 3. I'm being very honest with you guys. I'm trying to watch everything, but I'm watching everyone. Germany-Japan is huge. I picked Japan to finish ahead of Germany in that group. So we'll find out very quickly if the Japanese, the blue samurai, who are into their seventh straight World Cup, have what it takes to beat Die Mannschaft. Not the official name for the German team, Die Mannschaft. I think sounds like a uh, Kraftwerk song. I'm the operator of my pocket calculator, the man machine. Fun, fun, fun on the Autobahn. I'm not making fun of Germans, these are actual songs in your face. But what do we expect from Germany? We'll talk about Japan in a moment. But what do you expect from Germany? Flamed out of the groups four years ago, and that's the first time it happened since they didn't qualify for the tournament in 1950. They always get through, they've won four World Cups. It's Germany, baby. And Hansi Flick is in charge, and he is very excited. He was the Bayern Munich manager, and now he takes over this team, which is majority Bayern players. It's Bayern everywhere. So basically, this is Bayern Munich versus Japan. Some concerns, uh, there are some injuries piling up for Germany. I think their defense with uh, Niklas Sula and uh, Schlotterbeck have been a little open we you have some parts in the midfield moving around uh, again uh, joshua Kimmich, who was a fullback but now he's more of them he is a midfielder and he will be trying to get that thing going going to give you a name to keep an eye on you probably heard of this name and it is you could argue the most exciting young player on this at this world cup jamal musiala who's 19 he has nine goals for Bayern munich so not only is this could be the best young player in the Bundesliga, they're saying he could be the MVP or the, the player of the year in the Bundesliga. He's being compared to Messi. And I know, everyone gets compared to Messi. But people get compared to Messi from small countries like he's the Kazakhstani Messi. Or he's the Alpine Messi. Or he is the Great Lakes Messi. Germans don't have guys you compare to Messi, right? If it's a German guy, then you know he must be insanely good. And Musiala is... We expect him to start because there are some concerns up there. Leroy Sané uh, out, and Musiala might be the... Uh, he's a, people are saying he's the best player in the Bundesliga. I haven't watched enough Bundesliga. I've seen a bunch of it, but I haven't seen every Bayern game to be able to say that. But people who I know say that Musiala's been the best player in that league right now. Japan. I like this Japanese team. We had a good idea when they beat the U.S., and they really beat the U.S. I mean, they have a good system. Hansi Flick, the German coach, was raving about their athletic and technical abilities. I don't know if this is a perception where people think that they think of Japan and the people are not, they're not big people, you know, they're like folks in the West. Well, that is a misperception. I mean, there's the Japanese, I, I used to watch pro wrestling. These guys are huge, but they're strong and... You know, maybe it's just me. I know people say that. They say, oh, Japan, maybe they're like smaller players. No, these are strong, majestic. They have it all. There is a a quote that some people say uh, that I read somewhere. They say Japan could win the World Cup right now if they had the right coaching. I don't know if that's a shot at Hajime Moriyasu, but this is a very good team. And they're looking to make a breakthrough in the World Cup. So they co-hosted the World Cup in 2002. And remember, Korea, the co-host, made the semifinals. Japan made the round of 16 and got knocked out. So they haven't had that moment. Four years ago, they were this close to making the quarterfinals. They had Belgium on the ropes. They were up two goals. Belgium came off the ropes. But the one thing about Japan, 19... All their players play abroad. They used to be in the J-League. 19 of their 26 players play in Europe. A lot of them play in Germany in the Bundesliga. Uh, Daichi Kamada plays at Eintracht Frankfurt. Wataru Endu, who Hansi Flick said was one of the best midfielders in Germany, also there. I like Japan a lot. I'm not crazy about Germany. I might eat some humble pie here. I think Spain wins this group. But I'm not crazy about the Germans. I think there's some holes there. And I think Japan might be able to exploit them. So we shall see. That's going to be a fantastic game. That's at 8 Eastern time. Next up, Spain-Costa Rica. Spain is my pick to win it. We talked about Jamal Musiala as a good young player. Spain have a ton of good young players. Pedri's going to play every game. Gavi, Pedri's 19. Gavi's going to play every game. He is like a... He'll get that midfield churning. Ansu Fati might play. Not, I don't think he'll start. He's 20. But he could be a breakthrough player as well. Uh, we talked about Bayern players all over the German team. Barcelona, it's not as many on the Spain team, but Barcelona have 17 players in Qatar. That's a record. And a lot of them are on this Spanish team. Interesting story. Luis Enrique, the coach who's uh, streaming... Uh, videos every day for fans so they can cut out the middleman, the media. Not a bad idea. His daughter dates Ferran Torres, who is a player on here, and apparently they're having fun. Uh, And Luis Enrique said, his daughter said, if he doesn't play Ferran Torres, that she's going to chop off his head. I don't know if that sounds better in Spanish because in English it sounds like you're going to sever his head, which is not funny at all. So I'm sure there is there. And no one's going to get their head chopped off. But it's a family affair. We'll see if Ferran Torres is in there. That shall be interesting. And uh, Costa Rica is the opponent. The uh, the Spanish team, I think, will grow into the tournament. They were in the Euros. They had a slow start. Remember they had that game where they had like 80% possession and 20 shots and weren't able to beat Sweden. They grew into it, got to the semifinals, lost to Italy in penalties. They, uh... They've just been really good at producing good players. Luis Enrique is gonna play out of the back. Unai Simon is an interesting choice, the goalkeeper, because he's got good feet. That's why David De Gea isn't there. Fun team to watch. Spain are gonna possess you to death. That's what they do. Costa Rica is gonna let them possess. Costa Rica has very little chance to get out of this group. I think they will do well in these three games. I don't think they'll get blown out. Costa Rica made the quarterfinals in 2014. Four years ago, they were competitive even though they didn't win a game or they tied, I think, the Swiss. um, They got Kaylor Navas, who's still one of the best goalkeepers in this tournament. I'm excited to see what Costa Rica can do. They are a fearless bunch. They have had great World Cup moments. You go back to 1990, they made the knockouts. And uh, the Ticos were so buried in qualifying. They were, I believe they won one game in their first seven CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. They were DOA. Then they picked up the pace, finished fourth, beat the U.S. at the end, and then qualified for the playoff, beat New Zealand, made the World Cup. As a result, CONCACAF has as many teams in the World Cup as South America. So Costa Rica are no joke. Underestimate them at your own peril. Final game, another CONCACAF team, the nightcap. Belgium, the number two team in the world, versus Canada, ranked 41st. This is a great matchup. For uh, Canada. It really is. Canada likes to play. They have incredible attacking options. Alfonso Davies, we don't know if he's going to play. If he comes out in that starting 11, Canadian fans can get really excited. And I love what he tweeted before the World Cup. Davies says, uh, a kid born in a refugee camp wasn't supposed to make it, but here we are going to the World Cup. Don't let, Don't let anyone know or tell you that your dreams are unrealistic. Keep dreaming, keep achieving. And this is part of the, uh, the immigrant story of Canada. Jonathan David and Ismail Kone from immigrant families now representing the country. I'm worried about Canada with Davies. Steven Eustachio suppose he's not 100% fit. He's been great with Porto playing in the Champions League. Milan Borjan, the goalkeeper, not 100% fit either. They really need him because they're playing Belgium. Remember, Maxime Crepeau at LAFC broke his leg in the MLS Cup, so Dane St. Clair might be in for a stunning call-in to the national team. This is their first World Cup in 36 years. We're pulling for the uh, CONCACAF teams. If they don't have Davies, Eustachio, and Borjan, they're not going to get a result here. They're going to lose to Belgium. If they have two or three of those guys, now we're in business. If they have all three, I think we see another shock result here because Canada uh, gets after it. And we mentioned David, who's an elite scorer, the Tejon Buchanan, Kyle Laren playing for Club Bruges in the Champions League. They played Uruguay and lost in a friendly. And if you looked at the stats, Canada dominated that game, but they lost, so they gotta be careful. And here we are with Belgium, the golden generation. And everyone says this may be their last show at it, so they've gotta make it count. I don't like this. I, I think the Belgium team are hitting a wall. They had their chance certainly four years ago when they made the semifinals at the Euros when they were bounced out uh, at a very early stage. Their defenders are old. Aldeverold, Vertongen. They, uh, you know, in, Bel- in, in 2018, they scored 16 goals in the World Cup. No, no no Lukaku. So it could be Michi Batsuyahi who gets the start who's not really, he's a good player and he's been playing very well but... We will see. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne is another one. There's so much talent on Belgium. It's just, are they coming to the end of that cycle? I think they are. This is going to be a, I'm not calling a Canada win, but this is going to be hot-blooded affair as well. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily, here every day, where all podcasts are available. Under my YouTube, Max Bretos. We'll be back again tomorrow to recap those group ENF games, and then we wrap up the opening round with GNH. We're making some headway, get your sleep.